You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, good evening, guys and gals. Um, obviously, we didn't get to the record last evening. Um, I'm coming off coaching four, four, I'm sorry, four soccer games within a 22-hour period, so the fact that even there's a voice to record today is uh, pretty dang good, and uh, thanks to the lovely phone tracker. You know they're tight games when I've walked nine miles in 22 hours. I don't like to drive that much, guys. But we get into your daily delivery thing, uh, daily delivery of all things dog pound here on Locked On Browns. Uh, remember, guys, hands free. Uh, you know whether it's in the car or whether it's at home when Alexa play podcast Locked On Browns have the latest episode brought up for you. As we get through here, and you know, obviously rookie minicamp and starting to, you know, put some players on the field. Uh, you know, Pete Smith is going to join us here. Uh, Pete, we talked about this the other night. First things first, and what we thought the most important thing, and what we wanted to know, and it was going to maybe squell some issues or whatever that caused Greedy Williams to go 46. Greedy Williams has been a full participant in, you know, in the time that he has been in the building to this point. So. Whether it was small, it was minor, whether it never existed, uh, you know, Greedy, Greedy Williams is out there from day one to, ready to go, and that's a good thing. Right. That's all I care about. Um, check check the box. Hopefully he doesn't get hurt during minicamp, and we're fine. Uh, that's all you're worried about, like people getting overworked uh, about a clip, which I'm fairly sure Denzel Ward had one of those this time last year, but got the benefit of the doubt from being from Ohio State. Um, Maybe because he was wearing 12, they tried to pass it off of that with somebody else. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're, they're messing around with him doing some off stuff. Whatever that actually means, I don't know. Uh, if they're just trying some stuff out or if that's really what they want him to do, this is a good opportunity. And I mean, in he's this, going to- but it, in this instance, it's so dumb. It's, it's similar to the – if you're a wide receiver and it's you versus him and he's playing off coverage, you should win. It's – if you don't, the receiver looks really, really bad. Right. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where you get to throw stuff against the wall a little bit and see what sticks in terms of, you know, it's, it's minicamp. You, you have not, in, in this case, first, you know he's going to make the team. Uh, second, uh, you get an opportunity to sort of throw some stuff at him. You Probably have not gotten to see him do. Uh, you didn't have him for a private workout. You didn't have him for a visit. So, you know, this is something he really hasn't done. So you're sitting there basically going, let's see what it looks like. And, you know, there's another rep they showed where, it, you know, he clearly looked uncomfortable, but he did it. So it's, you know, we'll see if they keep working it or whatever. Uh, that was something that was, you know, has been a big concern since, this. you know, people sort of realized the draft and saw that clip uh, combined with this, you know, PFF talking about how, heavy zone he was at Arizona, which, by the way, we told you this when he was hired. Um, he's a heavy zone guy. He's a cover three guy. But, um, you know, Freddie got asked about it, and Grossi, I give him credit, asked a good question, but couldn't cite the thing, couldn't cite it. Uh, so, you know, it sort of allowed Freddie Kitchens to sort of roll over him a little bit. But he did at least give you a little bit of an insight to it that, you know, Freddie doesn't really care about it right this second. He's worried about it in September. Uh, which is a non-answer, but it, you got to hear him sort of talk about it, uh, I guess. It's not like I think he's lying or covering something up. I, I literally think he's just saying, you know, I don't really know, but we'll get there. Uh, so, 
you know, that was interesting. Combine that with the fact that Donnie Lewis basically, you know, in his little interview thing they did, he said he's a man corner first uh, and then mentioned he could be his own corner. So it's possible that they're going to go heavy man, uh, you know, run a lot more cover one than cover three. Uh, but at the same time, like people getting worried about this, uh, I will point to Patrick Peterson last year, who was phenomenal. Uh, you know, being put in a in a cover three scheme, he, you know, there was an article from PFF like the first half of the season, he was on pace to have the best year of his career, uh, even when Arizona was garbage. Uh, so I, I'm not that worried about it. And Denzel Ward played a ton of cover three last year, so. You cover three in a lot of ways, as long as a dude isn't crashing inside, is basically man coverage. I mean, you're going to play off a little bit. You're going to give up a yep. little bit in front of you. But, you know, if he's trying to run down the field, it's just man. Um, so I think once, I mean, get a little... once you get to 12 yards, it's man. <laughs> yeah, it. so I, I think people get a little too over-concerned with that stuff. Um, my guess is that they will do a lot of things because they have the dudes to do it. But at the same time, I, you know, I wouldn't get too worried about Greedy Williams because he's first got to win a job. Um, they're not going to hand it to him. Uh, which they shouldn't. Which they no. shouldn't. Good teams shouldn't do that. I mean, it, it, no way. If, if, if he's getting outplayed all summer long, whether it's Terrence Mitchell, which that would probably be the most likely candidate, and he's got a track record here, obviously some different coaching, but you can't ignore that. So it's not the worst thing in the world that the top player you drafted is slowly brought into it. This is normally the case with good teams. Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's an element of that's part of the reason I think Greedy Williams could be a very good pick for the Browns is that they aren't handing him anything. He's got to earn it, so he's going to have to fight. He can't, you know, uh, assume anything. So One of the linebackers may have a better shot at, 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 at better playing time early than Greedy Williams. Well, I, I think that's a given, uh, but... Yeah, I think you're ultimately going to see if he can win that job first and then worry about how you cover him later or, you know, work with him later. If he's a starter, you're going to do more to scheme around him. If he's a backup, you're not going to sit there and whine about, you know, what coverage are we running for the backup corner? Yep. No, there's no doubt about that. And then now, uh, obviously, Pete, um, and we talked about this before we hit the record button. I mean, if this was hard knocks... If there's a flavor of this rookie minicamp, and it, it it's weird, but Pete, it, it's 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 the punter and it's the Polish hammer, no doubt about it. Uh, Scottish. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, he's he's from way up there. Um, so I have watched two interviews with him, which is two more than I will I'm watch. I'm thinking about Janikowski. Corner. I'm thinking about Janikowski. Yes, Sebas Bass was Polish. Um, so. You know, he was on with Paul Brown, so I watched it because that was interesting because I knew he was going to be on there, and, you know, he's from Scotland, so they have some, you know, a little bit they can talk about in terms of that, and he was very entertaining. He's very bright. He's very quick on his feet in terms of how he talks, and then that did not change when he was with the media. So they will fall in love with this guy. First, he's an interesting story by the virtue he's from Scotland. Uh, Second, he's interesting in how he got to the NFL. Uh, You know, and, and third, he's just, he's a good talker. And those three ingredients are going to get you a lot of coverage. If the Browns had a hard knocks thing this year, he would get, you know, a substantial amount of an early episode. Um, so, I, yeah, he's interesting. Uh, apparently he is hurt, too. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's in May. It's not a big deal. I, but he's he's athletic. He's 
uh, you know, a rugby player. You, you've seen him hit people in college at Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, you know, he's got interesting takes on, on, on pads and helmets and all those things. So, uh, you know, Britton Colquitt is, doesn't need to be worried because he's really good. Uh, but, you know, this is going to be a thing that sticks around. And, and ultimately, it may be a cute story that doesn't mean much. Uh, but, it, you know, the, him even getting into sort of how he got here was worth listening to the fact that, you know, his dad, uh, you know, is a sub, you know, submarine, uh, you know, fighting guy in terms of like detecting and combating submarines and has been on P3s and P8s, I believe it were. I apologize, uh, you know, Navy guys who are going to gear an idiot, you know, into the terminology. Fair enough. Uh, but the fact that Prefer apparently was in that at some point when he was in the Navy. Uh, and then the other reason he signed with the Browns is because Dorsey's from that area of Scotland. So interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there, there's a lot to grab onto. I, I, you know, the other guy who sort of grabs you in terms of how he interviews uh, is, is Sheldrick Redwine. Uh, he's very intelligent, very bright, uh, has a lot to say, very thoughtful. Um, so I'm kind of, you know, curious to see how that goes, even though I, you know, I still have major concerns about what he can do. Uh, but he's been, I guess, playing basically nothing but strong safety, which I thought they would ease him into. But they basically, you know, made no no secrets about what they're going to do with him. Well, you know, and look, I mean, he, he, you know, what you see on him tackling wise, you know, he, he brings it. And let's not consider ourselves shocked that a guy from the U, you know, is a good talker because um, that's pretty much all that program's done for about the past seven, eight years down there. Uh, so it's, you know, been fun to see some of these guys. And, uh, you know, Drew Forbes, uh, you know, I don't know. He just it just looks it, it, talks it, just sounds like a guy that will turn into a pretty decent offensive lineman. Yes. Um, they, you know, without getting specific, uh, Freddie Kitchen mentioned this is the greatest offensive line he's ever had at a mini camp, which, you know, that's, doesn't mean a ton, but it's kind of cool. What I don't know, and 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 maybe I've missed this, and and I should know this, is I'm wondering if there's a couple of second year guys who are there um, this this week. So like, you know, Austin Corbett and and, and uh, Chad Thomas would be the most notable because they played the least, uh, or Damian Ratley and those type of guys, just as, as a way to get them some more reps and stuff like that. But what that means is, you know, at least it suggests that they're really happy with what they've seen out of Drew Forbes. They should be happy with guys like uh, Finian Ganafo or uh, this kid, uh, Willie Wright, who I didn't know they signed uh, up until I looked him up today uh, or noticed him. He's a nice athlete at guard. And then they brought in the bad athlete on a very good offensive line uh, in the kid from Memphis. So Tate, yeah. So, yeah, Trevon Tate. So there's a lot, you know, that's good. You want guys because if you can get quality guys – um, not only do they have a chance to, you know, make the roster, but it improves your scout team play, which they need. And, you know, looking at it right now, they should have a pretty good scout team offensive line, which is something that you, you want to find, whether it's, you know, guys like Eric Cush, uh, they've signed Witzman. I don't think he's going to make the team, but nevertheless should be quality in that area. Kendall Lamb competing for that, for that first job. One of those guys is going to lose that, uh, Desmond Harrison fighting for his life. And then you get these rookies in there that they should have a, a, a pretty decent second team unit that can come out there and, and give a look and hopefully compete with the, you know, what would be a very good, uh, you know, starting defensive line if they're up against it. But 
maybe uh, there there could be some good matchups, and and if they start pushing around that backup defensive line, then we may have some problems. Uh, yeah, and that's. But look, you're you know it's going to be, and we guys we talked about this the other night. That is the one. If you could get John for ten minutes, talk us through what you've done here through the last two off-season cycles with the defensive tackle group. Look, Sheldon Richardson, fantastic player, Sheldon Richardson, but uh, I don't know. Just with this class and what was there and what was the strength of the class and how many guys ended up getting draft, drafted, that's definitely one you know, you'd know you want to know more on. Well, along with that is, are we sure Chad Thomas isn't going to be a defensive tackle? Um, only because, for the reason you mentioned, they haven't taken one. And then combine that with the fact they brought in three defensive ends uh, for this minicamp, signed two of them, or at least one, uh, uh, and Wyatt Ray, yep. are you know are they going to try to you know he came in at two hundred and eighty one pounds I think or two eighty seven or something like that, you know so he's a, a couple cheeseburgers away from a defensive tackle anyway, and and that could sort of allow him to get he, look he's buried on the defensive end depth chart that's just oh. reality. Uh, he's, you know, he's, not, he's not a defensive end. He's not. His his yeah. shot is to get to three oh five and be. Maybe he's a better. I mean, at three oh five, he's a better athlete at defensive tackle than he would be, because he'd have to go down about two sixty five to play the end. Maybe. I, I think it's if you get into the idea that you want a really big base end for run situations. I don't. I, I mean, I just don't. I don't see a situation where you're going to say, "Nah, we're good." Olivier, you sit down. Gennard. Have a seat, Chad. You get your ass in there and make it happen. I, I just so if it, if it is a defensive tackle, maybe he's got more of a chance to be viable in that sense, and maybe that's uh, why the Browns have sort of talked about. Well, he's got more of a chance to make a contribution this year, or he's going to be on the field more. That could be a way to sort of, I, I guess, flip the script, erase the erase the board, start over, see if that's going to be better for him that that maybe is a little bit more of a carrot i mean he is a big strong kid um so if if he can do that then then that certainly changes how you view the defensive tackle spot it's still a situation where you're like he has to prove it it can't be inactive every week uh but it, it at least gives him the opportunity to sort of showcase himself and that could mean second team reps as opposed to you know seventh or eighth team like it seemed like he was last year so that's something to keep an eye on. I have that's pure speculation. I have nothing to you know confirm or da- uh, verify that. That's entirely based on well, they're doing this thing, and he's kind of a big guy, so maybe they're going to move him. Yeah, and look, you know, Chad Thomas. Let's put it this way, guys: if he's not if he's not playing in the first half of any of these preseason games, it's over. It's over yeah, because it's there's just no way. You're going to keep a third-round pick with all the talent that he's now acquired since, you know, when he was drafted, and he's going to sit around and be inactive on game day. He, he, he will be the he will always be the guy that'll be on the fringe at 52 to 53 at that case, and it would only be a moment's notice at that point. So, you know, we'll see with the Chad Thomas experience. God knows who. I mean, God knows with that. iTunes rating reviews always help the show, uh, help with the growth of the show, bring other listeners, new listeners, guys. Uh, keep that up. You know, drop a five-star, drop a written review for me. Take care of that over there. Uh, we do have then, you know, look, uh, you know, obviously that we mentioned a little bit with the linebacker play. Um, whether it was Todd McShay explained, you know, put out something where it was medicals and he has some stuff. Which is, you know, I, I understand a lot of people think that's vague, but basically when you say a guy has some medicals, obviously there were some teams who said, no, 
you know, maybe maybe the medicals were marginal enough where they were already, you know, halfway out the door on Mac Wilson, and that was enough where it was okay. Yeah, now we're pretty much all the way out. And then also, Peter, you know, with with the stuff, you know, Nick Saban said he really didn't think he should go pro. So you imagine any feedback you got back from Alabama probably wasn't possible. So if he's got some stuff, that's probably what the stuff is. It wouldn't be Alabama without having somebody come out da- damaged goods. I mean, that's that's the trademark. We used to choke um, years ago, and uh, we, we did we did a weekly show with Bill Carroll and Jim Colbert, and it was like you know you were a five star recruit, you showed up to Alabama. Okay, here's your dorm. This is the meal plan. Go ahead and pick out your orthopedic surgeon because you're gonna get beat to the living daylights. Hopefully, you make it out of here on the big money. Hopefully, so, you know some of you don't. D. Milner, prime example, and a bunch of bunch of others, Pete. Yeah, I mean, if if there was one school you could get a parts warranty on, it would be Alabama. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't, you know, there was some talk that he's got an elevated sense of himself and all this other stuff. I, I don't care. I, I just don't. Medical's legitimate. If there's something there, I, I get it. Um, you're, you're talking about a five-star athlete that didn't test like a five-star athlete. And whether that those things are related or... You know, Costco's theory of, well, he got to Alabama and thought he could basically ride that and didn't work as hard as he should. Unclear. But he didn't test like that. He didn't produce like that. So it would be that much worse if there's a real medical issue there that that makes it a question, which is, you know, why it never made sense that people were going, well, this guy's a second second round talent, all that. You knew his name. You didn't. You didn't know much about him. You just knew his name. And, and, and like PFF's basically saying, wasn't us. Uh, we certainly didn't think that. And, the, you know, the teams obviously didn't think that. So, you know, I, he, he went right around where he should or perhaps even earlier than that. But, you know, if you watch the behind the Browns thing, they, you know, they, they, they basically said the talent's in there. We got to get it out of them. I mean, that's telling you everything you need to know. Uh, yeah, and actually, here's the funniest thing as we're doing this. Um, but no, look, and the thing is, even if he coasted his way through Alabama, what do you, I mean, once you turn the light off, it's it's a lot, lot harder to turn it back on. So, you know, look, I mean, if he turns into this fantastic, great player, look, I mean, we'll have something to chew on, but uh, there's a reason, you know, when you are supposed to be regarded as a first-round talent, which he was in the very infancy of this draft process, and you ended up going day five, and your draft process wasn't very good, it's a lot to overcome, and you know, I I know some of the people who are rooting for him will use the you know I like to see a guy humbled. Yeah, but sometimes when you're 20, 21 year olds humbled, you've never been humbled before in your life. So you know, do you even know how to you know, pull up your bootstraps, so to speak, and you know, go to the next level? We'll see. We'll see on Mac uh, Baker Mayfield currently announcing riders up at the Kentucky Derby, by the way. So guys, that's just a little bit uh, where we are. And I'll be honest, Pete, looks like Baker has had a nice, nice off season as far as what he's been eating. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it's... he's looking pretty good. He's looking pretty good. Yeah, it's look, cut season's coming soon enough. That's fine. You'll sweat it all off. But uh, a lot of social engagements for number six. Look, maybe, you know, maybe he likes birthday cake. Um, the, the, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, it, I'll be curious to see how long it takes before we start getting people going, well, you know, is he doing enough to blah, blah. It, he'll be fine. I'm not worried about it. But, you know, it's I, I mean, it's a cool thing he got to do at the Kentucky Derby. Uh, you know, he's getting to sort of enjoy life, obviously. Uh, encouraged to sort of get away uh, by Freddie Kitchens, and that seems to be benefiting 
him in terms of like the passion he has and he comes back supercharged and ready to go. I, I mean, I, I think there's an element where it's smart that – because I think – uh, he's the type of guy who would wear himself down to dust uh, if if you let him. So you almost have to kick him out, which is yep. certainly certainly better that you have to kick him out of the weight room than beg him to go in it. Um, that's so that's that's a good thing. I mean, it, so it, certainly we're going to wait until he gets to the field and he's crushing it again to sort of confirm what we already know. Uh, obviously, he was at uh, the o- OTAs and stuff. It's not like he's missing that or anything, which is you know other players are getting criticized for. Uh, but it does. It it just it, if if he comes out and he's not playing well, you know whether it's local media who's already on his bad side or Colin Cowherd or whoever the hell it is. Wait, I mean literally, you could ask us to name the five names and we could give you the five names. So you know, well, Tony would be well. one. Colin yeah. would be one. If he's if he doesn't come out come out firing, it'll be well. What was he doing all off season? He was heavy and all this other crap. Uh, maybe not, if he wasn't in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. Maybe if it, uh, da, 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 da. With, with Tom Brady, no less. But then yes. it'll be well, he hasn't earned what he's earned. All that crap. Yeah. Well, Tom he, Brady he, just he, wanted to hang out with a good quarterback. That's all. True. Uh, that, and and you know, as as somebody pointed out that you know if they're in the AFC Championship, that that will be the the photo they use for it to sort of. Uh, oh, it'll come up week six or whenever they play each other anyway. Oh, yeah. And look, you, that just, look, I mean, if you, it, it, with anything, guys, feel that more confident about the product. A, with the quarterback. A, with the team. Uh, you know, Sam Darnold wasn't there. Uh, they didn't bring Josh Rose and Josh Allen. Or, that, this is the dude. You've all been waiting. We've been waiting forever. You got the dude now. You know, you face your franchises at the Kentucky Derby, for God's sakes. No, uh, it wasn't Andy Dalton who's a lot closer there to uh, you know Churchill Downs than uh, you know Cleveland is. So uh, look, if you're looking for it and you want signs about you know how real and legit this is, you have it. There's just no way around it. Um, uh, it was interesting today, Pete. I don't know who chose the music, but when you get a little uh, Kid Rock playing and it's uh, you know Alabama all summer long, and Mac Wilson's trying to say that uh, him and Freddie picked it. I'm not surprised. Look to say that maybe uh, Kid Rock is in uh, Freddie Kitchen's, you know, Pandora of choice. I I don't think that's much of a surprise there. No, Uh, you know, somebody was uh, Jordan Serm tweeted something about you know somebody needs to introduce him to rap, and my response to that was Cotton Eye Joe's about as rap as he's going to get. So even said they would. These guys wouldn't like it anyway. If Freddie's about my age, I can tell you the rap Freddie listens to. It's Public Enemy, it's NWA, it's Tupac, and that's probably where about where it stopped. You mix that in. Some guys will be into it. But, yeah, uh, look, there are plenty of guys with weird music tastes. Uh, certainly Freddie is on the whiter side. Um, I was afraid to hit the button in here that it would be some something, and I'd have to research it and find out it was related to Chad Thomas. it would be great if uh, you know he's producing tracks and can play. It'd be great if he was uh, contributing. That'd be that'd be a fantastic uh, story. Uh, alas, we're, we're waiting. <laughs> and you, know, the little you see of uh, Taki Taki, uh, just a grown ass man, Pete. He's he's going to play. He's going to be given every opportunity to play and play a lot. Yeah, it's interesting to me that uh, that he thinks he's you know a good fit at Will and Mike. Because I think he's going to play Sam at least initially, uh, I, I, you know, and that's not going to be a full time role because they're not. I, I don't think they're going to be in the business of playing 
three linebackers that much, but after you know he gets comfortable, I'm curious to see if he ultimately can move to Mike and move Joe Schobert over to Will, which would be great. Uh, they you know, they have two really good athletes, uh, or that that can hopefully defend the pass and stuff. And obviously, he's a hammer uh, in the running game who can who can give you some pass option pass rushing options. Uh, but I mean, his his profile is so so similar to Jannard Avery. It's really difficult to imagine that he's not the Sam uh, that, especially with Kirksey still here and, and Joe Schobert there. That you know maybe in a year uh, when 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 Kirksey, unless he restructures substantially after being you know having a great season, that uh, you know, th- those would be your two linebackers. And and you know if you if there's a suggestion that. You know, Schobert would would cost less at will. The answer is it wouldn't change a thing. It wouldn't change what I'd offer him. Uh, he's definitely still the dude on your defense. He can set it from Will. He can set it from Mike. I don't give a shit. But that would be a great setup if they could get a guy so good at Mike Backer, uh, you know, in terms of everything that he, that he can offer that it allows a guy like Joe Schobert to then be the Will. It's 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 a promising promising thought, uh, you know, as as far as you know any of that stuff goes here. Um, we do actually we have we have one, uh, you know, look uh, the questions we have. Um, you know, one of them was obviously on rookie camp, which we were going to talk on here. Uh, I got something we're going to bring to Pete here a little bit in a little bit. We'll talk about that, but uh, I do have this one here, and this is um, uh, Jim. I guess it's Jim Walker. Browns versus everybody. What holes remain on the roster, Pete? Uh, I, I I mean. Felt like we did this one a year ago, but it's still there. Uh, it's it's defensive tackles, the biggest question mark. Uh, offensive guard is a question mark. I think Austin Corbett will be fine, but you can at least ask a very reasonable question about it. Are you confident in that spot? Are you confident in either tackle spot? Uh, you have bodies, but are they are any of them good enough? Like you know, answer the question: What happens if so and so goes down? Which is you know, that's how coaches think. Uh, what's what's you know what's the what happened if Greg next Rob- man up? What happened if Greg Robinson went down? Right, is it is it you know is it Kendall Lamb moving over there? Is it Chris Hubbard moving over there? Is it Drew Forbes you know trying to prove enough where he can step in? Is it God uh, forbid Desmond Harrison again? Uh, that's a real legitimate question to answer. Uh, and and you know it's the same with thing with with Corbett. You know is he up to the task? Uh, you know is that a realistic thing? What are we going to get out of any tight end not named David Njoku? Uh, you know, what are what is the flow of the offense going to look like with, you know, with Beckham in there, with Callaway coming into his own, hopefully, and staying, you know, out of trouble, with uh, Higgins back and coming off, you know, a, a good year with him and Baker Mayfield, and, and, and how does that alter how much you see Jarvis Landry, how much does that change what David Njoku does, all those things where you've got – uh, these questions you're basically not going to get an answer to until the season. Uh, the same thing is what what the hell happens if Joe Schobert goes down? You do not have a good answer for that. And then safety depth is the other one. Uh, they obviously brought in red wine, uh, but Mike, the concern there for me is if Demarius Randall were to go down. Yep, that's the one. Red, red wine, then move over to free safety, and in that case, are they just you know sort of? Morgan Burnett as much as possible at strong safety. Uh, that those are all real, real questions. Um, and, and other than that, it's basically who's going to win certain roster spots. You know, like that, the starting corner opposite Ward and all those things. But yeah, the defensive tackle. 
offensive line, those are the big ones that, that you're, you can talk about what you feel okay for a given game, but how do you feel for a 16-game season? Um, you know, I, I'm with you pretty much with everything there. For me, I guess I would go with this. What would happen... Look, I mean, until Duke Johnson is here opening day, I'm not going to believe Duke Johnson is going to be here opening day. So my thing would be, you know, and we know it won't be Kareem Hunt, but who's going to be, you know, Nick's got to come off the field for a for a drive. Uh, he's got to get retaped, whatever the case may be. Who then goes in and does what Nick Chubb is supposed to do? And I guess the way it's working out right now, I mean, because, you know, Kareem won't be here. I, I guess, Pete, it would be Darren Hall. Or or uh, Hilliard. I mean, those are the two. Uh, I, I think they really like Hilliard. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Darren Hall is a good player. I think he can come in and, and give you something. Uh, that would be a nice setup. Now, having said that, I, I'll be curious to see what ultimately happens with Duke Johnson because the further this goes along, you know, suddenly you have John Dorsey changing his tune uh, on, also, on, yeah. on at least how he said it uh, that – I've always said Duke Johnson is a valuable member of our football team. Not quite, but okay. Uh, that you know that 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 they may be holding on to whatever their price is, and that you know that whether that's a draft pick. Obviously, the Browns are sitting on the fewest amount of draft picks I can remember in quite some time. They're only at six uh, for twenty twenty. That's you know unusual for them. Uh, there's got to be people around here with major anxiety thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, me. Uh, I'm, I'm in that camp. Stephen uh, Thomas. Stephen Thomas is right with you. Uh, that, that what? What? You know? Is there a position that you're looking at with Duke Johnson? Are you? Are you basically saying we're going to keep Johnson because the money doesn't make sense to move him? It actually costs more than it's worth to get rid of him. Uh, if it was a pick, no. If it's a player, it depends on the, the player because it gets a little tricky with that. Uh, you know the the. the the June 1st thing basically moves where the money gets planted. Uh, it's whether you want half of it this year, half of it next year, or do you want all of it this year? Personally, I'd take all of it this year, but then it sort of limits what you can do. So that's sort of a, a balancing act in terms of that. I think the way it's going, though, you know, unless they get an offer that's too good to pass up, which usually involves some sort of injury, yep. uh, then I think Duke Johnson, right now, I think he's going to be on the team. Well, look, I'm... You know, if in what it was, and people I'd asked, and Ben Albright, it was, you know, the best offers they're getting is a fifth. If it's a fifth-round pick for Duke Johnson, no, I'll keep Duke. We, we've gone over this. It was never the point of wanting to move on from Duke. It was more of the point of trying to read the cards that were put in front of you. But and just like you said, now, and this always happens, like Darius Geis last year, all of a sudden, two days later, who's running, who's running back for the Washington Redskins? Adrian Peterson. Some running back gets hurt, you know, very early in camp, whether it's late July, early August, or in the first week of preseason games, and Duke Johnson's value automatically goes to where you were okay and comfortable with moving him. That does change some things. Obviously, you know, got to keep in mind that there's no injuries here and everything. You know, Kareem Hunt's continued to stay his course. That's that's when you would – well, I mean, and that's where it comes to the case. Well, I've got a bunch of I, – I like Hilliard. I like Hall. I think we can make it through the two months while Kareem's out of here. We love Nick. We're not going to be able to keep them all. So if I, you know, and that's where it could get interesting, you know, if for me, you know, second running back for that first eight-week stretch because, look, it's not like it was last year where you would have said, well, who, you know, who cares? What's the best we're going to do anyway? Two, six, three, and five? And are they going to let him 
you know, mess around a receiver? Are they going to let him try that be a you know, slot position? Or, yeah, be that joker type player that allows you to do a lot of things. I think that you know, there's clearly a ton of talent in there. Uh, it's a question of how you want to use it, and you know, is he a more interesting player in space than some of the other guys they have in there? Uh, that's worth looking into, I think, especially you know if they don't make a move early. Like, I, I part of me thinks there's there's like a series of timelines. Like, I think. You know, if he, if he doesn't get moved between now and camp, that he's going to be in camp for a while. And then if he doesn't get moved uh, by, you know, a certain point in preseason and stuff, that it's probably going to make – at that point, they will have too much invested to bother moving him. Uh, so it'll be curious to see how – if and when he shows up uh, and what they do with him when he shows up. Like, are they investing in him? Are they actually trying to get him real reps? Are they trying to make him a real part of the team? Are they, or are they basically saying, you know, hang out at the sideline? We don't want you getting, we don't want, we don't want the, uh, the the player getting hurt here that we're trying to move. Yep, and and but even if he ends up sticking around, I mean, with Baker and obviously his ability at the line, it is. I mean, you don't in year two you could see less huddling and more stuff done at the line. And if it was time to get Nick a blow and say, all right, I'm going to put Duke on the field with David Ajoku, with Jarvis Landry, with Callaway, with Odell, the amount of formations you could go with, where you guys could line, where you could line these guys up and essentially never huddle and just have the defense at your prey, he still has a, a substantial amount of value here. But the problem is, yeah, I mean, the running back room is getting a little, little bit crowded. It's getting a little bit crowded. Um, guys, uh, remember to get the show every day. Subscribe to Locked On Browns on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with the personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Browns. I do have a, tw- a tweet I want to bring up from Jim Nagy, the Senior Bowl. Um, but before I get to that and bring that up, I do want to uh, – Joe Marino – um, obviously part of the Locked On Podcast Network as well, and uh, one of the hosts of Draft, Dude, Draft Dudes Podcast with Kyle Krabs. Uh, Joe got married today. Uh, Joe, wish you all the best, uh, you and your, your new wife. Uh, and smart man, don't get married in the fall. No college football Saturdays. Got it out of the way here, week after the draft. But uh, Joe, to you and your new bride, Lorraine, I wish you guys absolutely nothing but the best and a lifetime of success. Now, from Jim Nagy today, this was actually funny, and the reason I'm going to bring this up is because uh, one of the other guys over here at Lockdown, he, co- he hosts the Lockdown Niners podcast, Brian Peacock, part of the guys who got me into the door and brought me in you know, on the path to this gig. Jim Nagy today with a tweet of, was it tw- today? Yes, this morning. Rookie minicamp is an exciting time for NFL staffs, but there are some oh crap moments when teams immediately know a player they just drafted isn't what they thought he was. I was with a team once that took a skill player in round three, and we knew right away it was a bad pick. Pete, first off, comment on the tweet, and I'm going to come back because Brian actually did some research, and he thinks he nailed the player. Well, this happened to the uh, to the Washington Redskins. Unfortunately, it was like the fourth pick overall uh, when they took uh, the dude from who's on college football now, uh, the broadcast, uh, Desmond Howard. They took Desmond Howard, and the players were like, at, at one practice, were like, this dude can't do it. He, he, he's, he's not going to be a player. Uh, and ultimately, for them, he wasn't. Uh, you know, became a nice punt returner. Yeah, but he was a return man, yep. 
Super yeah, Bowl won, with the won the Packers. Super Bowl with the Packers. But it, you know, for what he was picked, it was like a top ten pick, um, and it took one practice, and the players were just like, "Nope." Yeah, and that's one maybe where did you watch every play or did you just watch some Desmond Howard highlights? He struck the pose in the end zone. We're good. He's ours at four. Um, but look, this is and look, and this goes to tell you how crazy and fickle this entire thing is. And there's still people trying to defend DK Metcalf, putting up some videos from the last day or two. In you know, I keep sending him to Pete. I'm like Pete, I don't, I still don't, I, you know, like I don't say what's good. It's you know. He's just a big dude. And the other thing is they're, they're continuing to show like the, his forte. That's not it. W- what you want to show is him making plays 35 yards down the field. That's where he's going to win. I don't think it's ever going to turn into a high reception total. The yardage should be really good. The yards per catch should be good. Should catch some touchdowns. But just understand, he's probably a limited, limited player. Um, but here, Pete, the funniest thing is, is uh, obviously Jim Nagy, former uh, Seahawks, and Brian did the math, and he was there at the time. He turned it up to Darbo, who was a third-round pick in the 2017 draft out of Michigan for the Seattle Seahawks, and made it through his rookie year but was a cut at final cut time Labor Day weekend uh, a little bit over a calendar year later. I think he, I don't think he was a third-round pick. I think he was a fifth-round pick. Third. Wow. Uh, I actually liked him coming out of college, too, but it, that could be. Uh, I don't think he I don't think he caught on anywhere. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I know we really haven't heard the name, and I don't, you know, Pete. You can, well, I, you know, and, and Andrew Brandt came out and said that, you know, John Dorsey, when he was with the Packers, had – I think that one was a fifth-round pick. Uh, you know, he was not the man. He was, you know, part of uh, part of the uh, the uh, department, though. And you know, came out and said, uh, took one look at like a fifth-round pick and said, "We we 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 f that one up." Then it it can happen that quick. And this is the thing with these initial impressions. Um, as much as it is, you got the job. The question is, how long can you keep said job? But I've actually gotten this one a couple times in in the DMs and for, in, 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 over over time. So maybe we'll start to do this a little bit in the offseason as we've got the time. But I'm going to hit you with this one here, Pete, first. Um, you're forced to sit down. You are given every football movie there ever is. Which one are you popping out and dropping in the DVD player? Every football movie there ever is. Um, I mean, the one that jumps out of me is the, the documentary on Florida State. Um the program uh, you may have seen that one uh i will tell you right now i went to see the program with my entire college football team uh, when we were playing this i'm trying to think so i'm assuming it was the unedited version with the uh stuff in the street yes yes it was and this would have been i guess it would have been whenever i want to say it would have been 93 i think that's when it was released yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, and actually, this is nice because when we get to these afterwards. But yeah, I believe for me, because Pete, I think we're both, you know, we enjoy the NFL. College football is definitely a huge, huge passion. But I, for me, yes, I, I think the top of them all, football-wise, is the program. There's just, just no way around it. Yeah, the uh, Friday Night Lights is obviously very good. Uh, I, but there's not, is, you know, I, and I'll never say this in my life. The book is better. The uh, there's just there, there are some fine football movies. You know, remember the Titans is fine, Rudy's fine, uh, Varsity Blues is fine. Not really a football movie, but whatever. Uh, Tweeter you know, Shakespeare, because that's what Tweeter does. Yeah, I mean, there's a few, there's a few, you know, nice moments. About, but if you're actually watching like 
a football movie and sort of the nuts and bolts, especially the dirty side of college, which is why it's ESU. Uh, they added a little line at the bottom of the F uh, and called them the, what, the Wolves? Oh, yes, the ESU Timberwolves, baby. Wolf Den Stadium. Right. Uh, and and yeah, that, that one is interesting in terms of the various uh, aspects they touch on in terms of recruiting, in terms of, you know, money, in terms of, you know, how – certain things actually work. I mean, obviously your left tackle is not sitting there, you know, singing a song during the play. No. Uh, and you don't have the running, ba- you know, all these things talking at normal speed as the plays in slow motion. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a fun me. It's interesting. There's a lot there. I, you know, Alvin Mack forever. Uh, well, I think that, and that's where I'll go with the realism of it. You know, like a kid grew up dirt poor. you like, you could like, you can picture it and like, you know, mom, here's this. We're going to put this on a million-dollar home a year from now. And then, you know, what is the cruelism, the realism is, you know, the injury. Um, your juicers. Guys, I saw a lot of it, a lot of these. And that's part of the reasons why I knew when I was done when I was done. When our defensive end, and it was, you know, opening day of training camp, and our defensive end ran the same 40 as me, I, yeah, I'm out. If this is where we're at, I, it's done. I'm over. I'm out of here. Um, but, you know, obviously the quarterback, you know, you know, flawed and, you know, having too much fun and, you know, trying to adapt and be normal and it's not but working. Daddy issues is ultimately the thing. Daddy issues and alcoholism. Yes. Well, you know, that and of course that kind of pressure happens when you're, you know, your dad's a lush and you're trying to save everybody's ass, which we talk about with some of these kids, the, the pressures of what they've got to try and deal with. The only thing is, I don't remember in that movie if they ever actually announce he's like a junior until the end of the movie when he's coming back for his senior season. Like, there's this sense that... Or maybe it was just the assumption of he was going to go pro. Or maybe that's it, but like... he Until you know, Tim Wayman screwed it all up. The Heisman Trophy and all this stuff, and then all, ultimately at the end of the movie, it's like, you know, get ready for next season type stuff. Um, I would have loved a part two, by the way. I would have seen what happened with Darnell Jefferson. But even the other thing, you know, with, with Ray Griffin and the, you know, got, you know, cheating on the girlfriend and lost his job and now had to step up and play another position because there were definitely a, a bunch of college running backs over the years that were great tailbacks and then the next five-star recruit came in and was better and it was either play fullback or transfer and take your wuss ass home and don't compete anymore. I will say that the funny thing about that was is it was literally – there was two players on defense. Um, it was the big, nerdy, goofy offensive lineman, and then you know, and then of course, actually, you know, <laughs> getting the backup quarterback in his school. And the line of that entire movie is when he's you know he's there, the guy's banging his daughter, but he needs his quarterback back in his program because Kane's in that rehab. And when's the last time seventy thousand people showed up to watch a goddamn chemistry experiment? Which was college football. That is all you ever need to know about college football with that line right there. Yes, and I'm not sure that the left tackle in that movie, the dude from Herman's Head, is not the best uh, fictional football player ever. He never gives up so much as like an ounce of pressure as he's singing songs and blocking blocking the hell out of people. Yes, and you know, obviously, you know, great lines like you know, coming to get your beer, boy, and all that good stuff, and walking around campus with a football under your arms. Um, guys, I tell you what, if you want to submit, we we will we will critique and break down. But the program, it just the thing with program is it. It, whether it was intent or not, but it literally gave you everything, and it probably still resonates through to this day about the way the business side of college football is. And uh, and when Darnell Jefferson, this guy just gave me a hundred dollars, 
And Mac takes his envelope, puts it in his own jacket. And when you're starting, you probably get like four or five hundred. But right now, let me keep this warm for you. I'll take care of this for you. And yeah, you know, the, you know, uh, the I, I tell you this, my, my high school did the thing with the tailbacks uh, when I was there. I don't know if they still do, but they definitely did the thing where if you fumbled the ball on Friday night, you had to carry it around that. Uh, I don't remember if it was the entire week, but I think it was definitely that Monday. And if somebody else could bring it back to the coach, yeah, you had to carry the whole, had to carry it the whole day with. Oh you. yeah, it ran till you puked and all that good stuff. If somebody else ended up bringing it back, and yeah, that's you know, good stuff with that. But I tell you what, guys, you want to start submitting those who we got time here over the offseason, we can do that. We'll critique. Uh, I'm sure there's a couple I haven't seen. You know, I've seen all you know the Cla- Brian song. I yeah, mean, there's I, some that I, just I, aren't not, football and movies. I don't care. I'm sorry, I don't. But they care. don't. But they, I, there's some I just don't clarify as football movies. It's you know, it's it's a movie with a little bit of like a football touch. Um, Express is pretty decent. Which one? Express. Yes. Uh, I like you know uh, you know uh, any given Sunday wasn't bad. Pete, let me ask it's, you this one. It's like a three-hour movie that a two-hour movie that went three hours. Yes. Helen Hunt. Have you ever seen Quarterback Princess? No. Never even heard of it. No. Oh, the legend of Tammy Maida. So it's, this stuff's probably going to eventually get brought up. But, uh, guys, you want to start throwing that in here because we actually got a more free time. You guys wanted to maybe get a little bit more of just, you know, general chatter here. We're going to have a little time here. And it's good as we, you know, recharge our batteries here. Look, you know, I've got soccer. This is starting to get to be like the crunch run here for me. You know, mentioned, like I mentioned, four games in 22 hours. And uh, check my phone here. I walked almost 11 miles in the last 22 hours. So kind of tells you the stressfulness of everything. But, uh, uh, guys, for Pete, obviously, you know, follow at underscore Pete Smith. Uh, the new information, the new project should be dropping soon. We're excited for Pete and the opportunity headed his way. So make sure you're following Pete as he, uh, you know, kind of steps out into a new, you know, foray. Wishing him all the best. Uh, the Lockdown Browns Twitter account, it's always follow back, guys. Anything, look, I told you, we're going to have a little more flexibility, more free time here. If there's something you want brought up, we're not going to talk politics. That ain't ever, ever going to happen. But anything else you'd like us to... You know, maybe approach if we think it's a great idea. You know, we'd love to take the ball and run with it on that. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, go ahead, give a follow over there. Uh, again, just, you know, can't continue to thank you guys enough. Obviously, you know, uh, the appreciation for all the work that you got, all the work we did, but all the appreciation and love you guys have shown for it. It's starting to show up in the iTunes rating reviews. Keep those coming. Thank you so much. Um, you know, the listenership, it's just continued to be strong. I mean, we've had our best two months in a row consecutively here. And keep in mind, the Browns haven't played a football game in four months. So I just I more th- couldn't be more thankful and uh, appreciate you guys for taking a ride along with us here. Um, ben, daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.